Hey, if you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Tyler Freeland, and welcome to Season 2 of the Brand X Cleveland Podcast, a forum where expert voices come together, united for one purpose, to answer questions and have conversations centered around real business problems. You can find this episode, as well as previous episodes, at brandxcleveland.com. That's brandxcleveland.com. On this episode of the Brand X Cleveland Podcast, I had an awesome conversation with the head of brand marketing for Google Cloud, Waleed Elgindi. From pitching the city of Chicago to the Olympics, to pursuing work in the south of France, and his journey all the way to Google, Waleed's story is the tale of hard work meeting opportunity. And besides walking us through his incredible career, Waleed also takes the time to walk us through the evolution of Google Workspace and how Google was able to help businesses during the pandemic. Full of life, travel, business, and marketing, this episode is sure to inspire you and lift up your brand. Here is Waleed Al-Gindi on the brand seat. Waleed Al-Gindi, I lead brand marketing for Google Cloud. And the last thing that I searched for on Google was weather and volcanoes in Hawaii. Do those have something in common or were they just two separate searches? <laughs> oh, no, they were, they were actually had something in common. Weather, I was just trying to figure out when's a good time to go to Hawaii to, 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 to see a volcano. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Dang, I couldn't ask for a better answer. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it has a lot to do with my son who's obsessed with volcanoes right now. So I've told him he's three, he's three and a half. And like, literally he'll come into my, my office in the middle of the day and just ask me to print out pictures of volcanoes and look at, look up pictures of volcanoes. And, and so I was like, he's literally obsessed awesome. with volcanoes. He's watching YouTube videos all the time. <laughs> so I'm like, once this is all done, we should go to Hawaii and actually take him to see a real volcano. Well, speaking of kids, actually, um, so it's a holiday season right now, and there's a lot of nostalgia that goes along with that, um, especially memories of being a kid. So with that said, what, what were you like as a kid? And what did you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, for me as a kid, I was actually pretty... I was more of an introvert as a kid, and so I, I wasn't really, you know, as as uh, as outgoing as probably you know my my siblings were. And so I spent a lot of time playing video games. I spent a lot of time, you know, playing sports. Um, and then I really, I really just loved sports. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. I loved basketball. I loved soccer. I grew up in Chicago, so I was a big Michael Jordan fan, huge NBA oh, fan. Awesome. Grew up during the Jordan era. And so for me, I was always like, yeah, I want to be an NBA player. <laughs> yeah. And, sure. and then it wasn't, it wasn't until I hit high school and I realized that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to peak over six foot. I did hit six foot, but I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I, I sort of peaked there that I was like, yeah, my chances probably aren't great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I decided that, you know, I wanted to go into business. That's kind of where I made that move. And that goes right into my next question too. So it's 1995. And you're standing on campus at Indiana University. What is Waleed searching for in that moment? And who do you want to be then? Is it still a basketball player? <laughs> well, I still I still play basketball. I played a lot of basketball. I played a lot of soccer when I was in college cool. in Indiana. And I did there's a lot of intramurals, so I never really gave that up. I still do today as well. But um, but for me in that moment, you know. It was really about just trying to figure out my own path and my own destiny and where I wanted to kind of go. And I, I, had, I had an idea of the things that I was really interested in. I knew that I loved 
international business. I knew that I was really passionate about global affairs. I was really mm -hmm. interested in where cultures kind of converge. And that yep. was something that I was really excited about. So when I was in college in Indiana, it was all about just soaking up every little bit of knowledge I could get on everything to do with with those passion points, right? It was, yeah. it was business. And I, I knew from the, the, the day that I started at, at, at IU that I wanted to go into business. That's the reason why mm -hmm. I, I decided to go there. They had a really good undergraduate program. And I knew I was really passionate about international. And so I, I took different, I studied different languages. I studied French. I studied Arabic. I got a, a, actually a double minor in French and Arabic. And I, and I always had this idea that I would be, you know, working overseas and doing some work, you know, kind of bridging cultural connections and, and, mm -hmm. and finding that intersection of where, where, where cultures kind of like you can start to connect people and what, what unites people. And so part of that actually introduced me to psychology, which I was a surprise in college that I, I didn't realize how much I would love that topic. And mm -hmm. it was actually one of those classes that I took where I literally couldn't stop reading. I was like, oh my God, this is just so incredibly interesting. And like, right. just soaked up every little bit of it. And that's what sort of led me to marketing, which is sort of a perfect blend of business and psychology. Um, and so that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, what, what sort of piqued my interest in college. What was driving you to the business world? What was driving you to the international business world and wanting to learn those languages? Um, so, um, for me, it was, it was actually, it's really simple. You know, my father who immigrated to the U S you know, in the late in 1969, a long time ago, uh -huh. he started, he started as an engineer and sort of worked his way up in Chicago as a, as an engineer, got his PhD, but then he started a business and decided to kind of go into the travel business. And he started a travel agency. If you could actually remember when, the, when those actually existed, when you would actually walk into a building and ask people about, you know, where they could fly around the world. And so growing up, yeah. I was exposed to a travel business and, and seeing all these people come in and say, hey, I want, to go to, I want to go to Paris. I want to go to Budapest. I want to go to Russia. I want to go to yeah. South, South America. And then seeing how you could actually make that happen for people and then hearing them come back and talk about these stories. And so that That's was awesome. piqued my interest in, in travel. And, and then having the opportunity to, to go on some trips younger when I was a kid, you know, with my family back to Egypt, which we would do every year, oh, wow. you know, and then, and other trips, you know, we'd stop in London, we'd stop in Amsterdam. And I was like, wow, this, this whole world thing is pretty cool. So, so that, that really piqued my interest as a, as a kid. And that sort of curiosity never left even today. Like I, I love travel with my family now. And what brought you back to school at like 10 years later or something like that? You went back? I went back to get my MBA at, at Kellogg at Northwestern um, mm -hmm. after I had worked for a good number of years. And it was really about thinking, you know, how I can sort of take my career to the next level. You know, I, I, and, and I had seen a lot of the people that I really admired at the company. I was working at an agency at the time called Profit, mm -hmm. which is a small boutique uh, marketing agency, great agency. I was in the Chicago office. And I had an opportunity to um, kind of see where some of those leaders that, that I had, you know, really worked with, you know, where they got their, their sort of marketing chops. And, and, and so I decided that for me to kind of take it, my career to the next level, I wanted an MBA. And it was just, it was an opportunity also to kind of expand my business, you know, acumen, knowledge, fill in some gaps. 
you know, right. and, and, and make some connections. And so I was really fortunate to get accepted to Northwestern. It was a, a fantastic program. I did that part-time, which was difficult, oh. uh, but it was, yes. you know, two and a half years, keep your head down. You're not going to make a lot of friends during that period of time. Everyone you, you interact <laughs> with is in the program with you, but it was an incredible experience. Right. And it really just exposed me to different aspects of business that I really hadn't even paid attention to in undergrad, right? And I, mm -hmm. I focused on areas that I wasn't working on. I focused on finance. I focused on strategy. I focused on management. And those mm -hmm. are things that um, were great. And, and then also understanding that when you have an MBA, um, it, does, it does open new doors right, for your career in the future. And that, that's what I was hoping to do at that point. What are some of those aspects of the industry or business that you would consider your specialty? You know, I think probably at my core, I'm a brand marketer. That's, uh -huh. that's my that's my sweet spot i would say is understanding the intersection of business brands and, and customers right and consumers mm -hmm. that's that's what I, i'm really passionate about how culture plays into that how trends play into that how consumer behavior plays into that that mm -hmm. is what i we're really excited about and threading that needle where you can connect all three if you can mm -hmm. actually identify a really strong sort of trend that's happening in market but then you can understand how it can help connect to your brand on a really powerful emotional level. And then if you can connect it to the business to say that it can actually drive growth and revenue, like that's to me what is really exciting because I've seen it done. And when it's done, I mean, we've all seen it done, but when it, when it happens, it's pretty magical. And, and I think that's where you see brands really punch above their weight and they can do things beyond sell products. And that, that's what really gets mm -hmm. me excited about the power of, of brand building. And so I would say that's my core you know, really focused on what I'm really passionate about. I would say, you know, there's other areas that I'm really interested in as well, how that relates to culture, how it relates to uh, globalization, mm -hmm. how you translate those insights differently in different, you know, parts of the world. I think it's fascinating. But yeah, I would say at the core, it's really my, my passion for brand building. And what gives you a sense of accomplishment in that? Or... Maybe it's a certain activity that you do in that. Maybe it's the writing process. Maybe it's the strategy process. What, what fulfills you? Well, yeah. I mean, what fulfills me is bringing it to life, right? Mm -hmm. is, is I think the hard work is, is all the, the work you got to do up front to get the strategy right, to get the insight right, to get the, the, the understanding of the market. And, and I think when you, when you have that knowledge and that data and you're able to to come up with that really powerful idea that you're like, wow, that is, that is something really compelling. That, that's going to that's gonna resonate. And oftentimes when you see that idea, it surprises you how simple it is. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's a really cool moment. But what gets me even more excited is when you bring it to life, right? Is that's when awesome. you actually develop the creative, you develop the work, you develop the way to express it in all those different ways, whether it's film, print, you know, experiential, and I think seeing that process to me is, is what's really exciting because um, it's strategy in action. And, and I mm -hmm. think that's, that's what um, I've become, you know, more, more, um, you know, interested in and passionate about mm -hmm. and, and really kind of expand my own ability to kind of bring great strategies to life in new, new and powerful ways. What are some of your favorite projects you've worked on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, 
I think some of my favorite projects that I've worked on were, you know, I mean, here at Google, I've been fortunate to work on some really, really great projects that um, I think had really great impact. So when COVID hit earlier this year, you know, we had actually launched a month before, actually in, in January, we had launched our first ever Google Cloud brand campaign titled, What Are You Solving For? We had spent a year putting that campaign, you know, developing that campaign, coming up with our, our creative, our insight, how we're going to bring it to life. We had a plan to <laughs> launch that in a number of countries around, you know, around the world in 2020. And when COVID came, that all got put to the side, obviously, because the company right. focus shifted from you know, marketing to like, how can we actually help? How can we actually help in this moment? And one of the things that I really appreciated was the the our, our leadership you know coming from sundar our ceo all the way to lorraine Tuhill, our cmo to mm-hmm. allison wagenfeld who's the cmo of google cloud really kind of uh, and kelly walder who's also the vp of, of google workspace marketing they kind of um took an initiative to just put everything aside and really focus on enhancing google meet as a product um, mm-hmm. and, and we saw that Zoom was obviously gaining a lot of traction. People are using Zoom for everything, you know, back then. Mm-hmm. And, and, our, and the Google Meet product was far, far behind, right? It was back then, it was called Google Hangouts, Google Hangouts mm-hmm. Meet. And it just wasn't even really close to where it needed to be. Our product team had a lot of things that they were working on, but I never saw the company sort of galvanize in a way that they did in that moment to bring all of our engineers, all of our marketers, all these people together to accelerate the development of this product, to make sure that it actually had all the capabilities that it needed to have to help people. And then the most incredible part about it was they decided in that moment to make it free. Google Hangouts used to be part of G Suite, um, which was you know previously, uh, which is now rebranded to Google Workspace, but it was, uh, you had to buy it as part of that suite. So we said, you know what, no, like this is a moment everybody needs access to the best video conferencing capabilities everywhere. And mm-hmm. so in that moment, uh, Google in, in May announced that Google, once they had the product sort of revamped, announced it's free for everyone um, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they um, embedded it in Gmail as well. So overnight, you had two plus billion people now had access to Google Meet to just start a video conference from anywhere. And that was pretty incredible just to see the company galvanize and mobilize all these people. And people were super pumped and excited to work on this because they knew it was going to have such a great impact. Mm-hmm. And, and that was pretty cool to see. And then, you know, we, we, uh, we supported on the marketing side and uh, worked with our, our creative partners at the Creative Lab in New, in New York, who are just incredible uh, creative partners to, to help develop that story of, of what we were going to do um, to make Google Meet available for everyone. I want to dive definitely want to dive more into the Google Meet, but I kind of want to take a sidestep from that. And I want actually ask Charlene and you to talk about how you connected a little bit and what you both participated in this summer a few months ago or what have you. Yeah. It's been like, what, nine months now? It has. It's crazy that it's flown by that much. Yeah, nine months. Yeah. So we met through the Adweek Executive Mentor Program. Um, we're both mentees and have mentors that we've been working with since March, April-ish. And because of the pandemic, we all got connected in this insane way this summer where 
it felt like every week we were meeting up somehow, whether it was talking about a project we wanted to work on together, a passion project, or just do a happy hour or a coffee mm -hmm. meeting. And it became this community of what are like 250 of us, I think. Yeah. They come together across the world who now we have these connections where, you know, if I ever need somebody, I know I can reach out to Waleed or to Steph or to Corey or to Jared or whoever. And we wow. now have this group that is just this insane group of marketers that are all passionate about our career, passionate about mentorship, um, mm -hmm. passionate about giving back to the community, which Waleed, you can talk about the Humanity Lab and, and your involvement in that for sure. But it's just been this amazing experience where we've been able to connect in the craziest time I think we've all lived through probably. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we just, I think we were on a couple happy hours together maybe in breakout wow. sessions. Yeah. And then um, we did some work on the humanity lab together and then a bunch of passion projects throughout the year. But how of uh, 250 people do you guys find this small group and just click? Yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of it is just, you know, the, 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 this Adweek mentorship program is a great program because I think it's an opportunity to kind of learn from your mentors that you're paired with, but then also to learn from one another. And I yeah. think that has been one of the biggest, um, I think, gifts for two, of 2020 for everybody in this program is that there's been so much great knowledge share from your mentors to the mentees, but there's been a ton, I think, of unexpected learning with amongst the mentees and you know, there's, I think, ways that I think it just, it, it became possible. So there's a, there's a Slack channel that was developed. There's, uh, you know, with all the mentees, there was a WhatsApp group that, you know, people were sharing, sort of sharing ideas. People throw out ideas. Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about starting this initiative. What do you think? Mm -hmm. uh, or I'm, I'm really looking for somebody that's got expertise in whatever it might be that they're, they're, they're working on in their project. And, and you get three, four, five people sort of volunteer contacts. And I think there's just that spirit of, of support of yeah. relatability that I think is really great. And, and then you have people who have similar passions, right? So, you know, Charlene mentioned the humanity lab. So the humanity lab is an idea that started by an incredible, uh, it was an incredible idea that, that Veronica threw out there and Veronica literally, she said, Hey, I'm thinking about creating a program where we can actually support people on the front lines during the, all the, the, the social justice unrest and in the wake of George mm -hmm. Floyd murder and the fact that we wanted to make sure that people had an opportunity to support people that were, you know, that needed a little bit of help. And so we said, you know, we've got this network of incredibly talented marketers, communicators who can yeah. help advise, consult people on the front lines by bringing marketing expertise and, and different, you know, capabilities, creative expertise. And awesome. all of a sudden, we had this new group that was founded called the Humanity Lab. It's a 100% volunteer organization. And they're working with a number of organizations on the front lines, giving, you know, really uh, critical marketing, creative communications advice on how they can just improve their storytelling, their messaging, their PR skills, and just do simple things. And so that's just, that's just one idea. And then there's that's other awesome. things where, you know, people connected to on just you know on a personal level so charlene is a is a big nfl fan and and i'm a big nfl fan as well and my team is doing much less well than than in <laughs> cleveland but um but i think it is you know it's great to kind of just connect with people on a professional level on a human level and on a personal level yeah right. i i uh I figured out who I was going to get close to pretty early on. Like I was like, oh, they're posting interesting content or he's trash talking mm -hmm. on Twitter and I'm going to join in on that. Um, <laughs> and then we've just like developed this group then that 
you know, we're tweeting at each other all the time. We're Slack messaging each other all the time, whether it's about today, I posted something like, Hey, I'm looking for someone with this type of expertise, any ideas on who to reach out to, or we have someone on the brand side, reach out and say, Hey, I'm looking for an agency partner. Can you help? Or any ideas on who could help? And it just becomes like this very natural and organic relationship. And we all joke that next year, 2021 is Miami for brand week. So hopefully we can all be in person. Yeah. So we're counting down to Miami, hopefully. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. As always, in each episode, we like to take the time to highlight one of our Brand X partners. This episode goes out to CMT Consulting. CMT is a media planning and buying firm that develops comprehensive integrated media campaigns for a variety of different industries. CMT has extensive experience in running campaigns that leverage digital, TV, radio, print, and outdoor media, reaching audiences across the country. Their motto, be a good coworker, be a good partner, be a good advisor to the clients we serve. Hey, that's simple enough. To learn more about CMT Consulting, visit cmtconsultingltd.com. That's cmtconsultingltd.com. Molly, what are some projects or things that have happened in your career that you can look back and say, damn, that was a pivotal moment for me? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think for me, it was the projects that had the biggest, the most ambiguity and the most, were the biggest risks. Two that come to mind was when I was about maybe four or five years into my career working at, at, a, at a small digital agency, even before I joined Profit, I was at a small digital agency, um, just doing some strategy work. And I had established this connection with one of the VPs there, and he asked me to fly out to Reston, Virginia, uh, where, where the headquarters was, and to help him with a, a project. So I flew out there from Chicago, was maybe 24 or five years old. The next day, he said, you know what? I have a different project for you. He said, I want you to fly to France and to work on this new account that we, we have uh, to work Holy on. Holy shit. Yeah, this new, this new thing. And, he, and it was a, a major project for Airbus. And, and it was like, oh, okay, well, that's different. So uh, he literally told me to hop on a plane back to Chicago that next day to go pack my bags and then Monday to fly to France. And so I had no idea what I was going to do, right? But it was just one of those moments where I was like, this is just an incredible opportunity, right? He's yeah. putting the trust in me. And, and I happened to be the only American at the time who spoke French, who, who he wanted to kind of put in this, in this, uh, in this, on this project. And I ended up going there and I worked on this account uh, at Airbus for what was supposed to be three months living in Toulouse in the Southwest of France, which is not a bad place to live. And then it just turned into uh, just a great experience because I was able to help the work on site. I was able to actually, you know, and I, and I was learn, learn a lot from my French colleagues there. Uh, yeah. And then three month gig turned into a six month gig, which turned into a year. And I ended up living there for a year, which was incredible. But it just, so it, was awesome. such, it was such an incredible um, career moment because I was able to understand all those things that you read about on international business and how to bridge cultural divides between, mm -hmm. you know, the U.S. and Europe and France. And, and I just spent a lot of time working in the U.K. and in Spain and in Germany because Airbus was like the first so cool. European company at the time. Mm -hmm. and, and it was just a great moment. So that, that for sure was, I think, a pivotal moment for me 
and, and just gave me a lot more understanding of business, marketing, strategy, how that all kind of works internationally. And then, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward, you know, a few years later, um, I was approached in 2008 by, uh, and I was at that time working at Profit, you know, uh, this uh, brand strategy agency, and I was, appro- I was approached by a, a friend of mine who worked for the mayor of Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, Mayor Daly at the time and said, hey, would you be interested in, in working on the Olympic bid for Chicago? And I was like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, of course, I thought it was a volunteer. I thought I was gonna, he was asking me to volunteer. So I ended up meeting with some folks at, at the hotel in Chicago just to hear a little bit more about what I thought was a volunteer opportunity. It turned out in the course of this conversation that I realized that they weren't talking about a volunteer gig. They were talking about me joining the bid, uh, you know, officially actually leaving my job and taking a chance to see if we could go pitch Chicago to the Olympic uh, committee, to the IOC. And I was like, in that moment, they asked me, they said, are you interested in doing this? And I had to make a decision. I was interested in quitting my job in that moment. And, um, and I said, yes. Uh, So, you know, I decided to, to kind of take that leap of faith in that moment. And it, you know, it turned out to be a great experience because it's one of those things that doesn't happen often, right? Where you have an opportunity to kind of, you know, work with such a great thing. And and, and I ended up working on that Olympic bid for a year and, you know, had an opportunity to work with the the, the mayor's office, with the White House, with the State Department, with all the American Chambers of Commerce around the world, with the IOC. And traveled all over lobbying, yeah. um, you know, to kind of pitch the city of Chicago to the Olympic Committee. And, and, you know, I was able to actually kind of work out a great, a great deal with profit as well, where um, I took a leave of absence. I didn't officially quit my job, but, oh, um, nice. but I ended up, you know, taking a leave of absence and they were incredibly supportive. And it was just an incredible opportunity. And, and obviously, the, the city of Chicago didn't win the bid for the Olympics, but it was just a great career yeah. moment for me because it gave me an opportunity to do something different pushed me out of my comfort zone. And then, you know, obviously when we lost to Rio in 2009, that was heartbreaking. I still yeah, remember that sure. boat in Copenhagen, Denmark, October 9th, 2009. But <laughs> it will, um, but it allowed me to kind of go back to the marketing world after that, just knowing that I sort of, you know, really absolutely opportunity. And another career moment, I was creeping on your Twitter this morning. And I saw you tweet an image on January 29th, 2018. And it was your first day at Google. Mm. Can you walk me through that moment, how you got there? What was it like that day? And then maybe we can get into like one of your first projects too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I remember that day vividly. That was that was an exciting day, you know, because I, I, never, I never thought that I'd, I'd have an opportunity to work at Google. Right. I never, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, growing up, um, you know, and, and going to school in Chicago and all that stuff, I never thought that I'd have an opportunity to work at Google. It was always something that was like, that's an amazing company. I have so much respect for them, but uh, I would never work there. I would never be able, able to work there. But, you know, I think, you know, when I, when I got the opportunity, you know, and I had spent, you know, at that point in time, a number of years at Visa learning about what it means to be on the client side. Right, it's a different world when you're when you're agency side versus client side. So Visa was my intro to the client side experience, and it took me a while to get used to that transition. It's very different. The pace is different. The responsibility is different. And so I really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, like this is a it's a different it's a different way to kind of think about marketing, creative, all that stuff. But it, I really enjoyed it. 
But I never at that moment thought that I'd be able to work at Google. But what my experience at Visa taught me, which was a phenomenal experience, it taught me that I was really passionate about innovation and technology. And I was really passionate about new technology. And so I was fortunate over the course of my time at Visa, I was approached by recruiters and headhunters about certain opportunities, but none of them really piqued my interest because I knew that I was really interested in, in, in tech and technology in general. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to hold off until, until the right opportunity comes, until the right opportunity comes. And then I was approached by this opportunity at Google to, to help lead brand marketing for Google Cloud. And it just seemed, it sounded like a really interesting opportunity because it was the opposite situation that we were in at Visa. So Visa was a company where obviously it's got incredible brand awareness. It's a great brand. It's got, you know, really strong market position in a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. You are not, you're not building awareness. That's not the challenge, right? You're, it's really about driving preference and it's about changing the perception of the company. Marketing has to do a lot of the innovation on that because there's not a huge, huge product innovation roadmap, right? So Google was the exact opposite challenge for me where the, the product innovation was off the charts. It's just mm-hmm. the stuff that Google does. It's mind boggling in terms of AI, ML, what they're doing in search, all the different ways that they're bringing the best technology to life. And I was like, just really captivated by that. But marketing is where you can have a big impact because marketing is, is not as strong at Google as all of the product innovation is. It was the inverse situation we had at Visa. So that was to me what was really exciting. And then also an opportunity to work for a challenger brand, right? Google Cloud is number three in the cloud business. We are, you know, trying to punch above our weight, you know, and, and mm-hmm. our competitors have had a seven plus year head start in many cases. Mm-hmm. They've got entrenched relationships like Microsoft with, you know, enterprise companies all over the world. And we're the outsider, right? We're the, we're the challenger. And I, to me, that sounded like a really interesting opportunity to come in and to, um, and to try to help. And what was your first project with Google Cloud? Was it Google Meet? No. So my first project with Google Cloud was actually to develop a security-focused campaign and to really promote Google Cloud as the, as the cloud that you could have peace of mind with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we developed this campaign, and it was back during the time when there were a lot of questions around data, I mean, they still are, data, data privacy, you know, all those things that I think people are concerned about on a consumer level. And we wanted to reassure our customers that we had the best security in the cloud business and that mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about data breaches or anything like that and, and, and um, you know, your information being shared with anybody. And that to really make a very clear distinction on how data is handled on the cloud enterprise side and how data is handled on the consumer side, which they're mm-hmm. totally, totally separate at Google. So, um, so we, we developed this campaign. It was all around, go make it, we'll protect it. And it was a call to action for our customers to feel like they could have the confidence to go make, create, build anything they wanted to do using Google Cloud, awesome. and we will protect it. And it was, uh, it was a great campaign. It was actually our first global campaign. We ran that, I believe, in eight different countries in 2018. And it was just a, a, you know the, me kind of just getting my feet wet, right? And, and learning about marketing on, on the Google side, but it was a, a great campaign. Where do you fall into this, the Google Meet story from there? Yeah, so Google Meet really became a big priority this year, right? So up in you know, my first couple years at Google, our focus was really around 
promoting certain messages for Google Cloud. And then we spent a lot of time really thinking about G Suite. Where at the time it was G Suite, right? Which is sort right. of a collaboration tool. And we developed a campaign in 2018, also late 2018, called Make It With G Suite. And it was really around letting people know that they could make make it in, as in you know you can physically make things with g suite in, in terms mm -hmm. of collaboration but you can also make it you can be successful with g suite and it had sort of that dual meaning that we were really excited about and that became a message that we promoted in late 2018 early 2019 and then we spent most of 2019 really trying to elevate up to a bigger story around google cloud and that's uh -huh. the sort of the, the solving campaign that i had mentioned earlier really uh -huh. anchored on this notion of helping our customers solve their biggest problems. And um, so our hook was, what are you solving for? And the, the idea behind that was that we knew our customers, at the end of the day, they're big businesses, they're enterprise, they're small businesses, but they're all united by this common idea that they want to solve big problems and they want to make progress. They mm -hmm. want to make progress for their businesses and for their companies. So the way that we were going to connect with them was really around helping them, you know, solve their, their big challenges. And so that was a big focus of, of what we did in 2019. This year, obviously with COVID, all the focus was on Google Meet. And so yeah. we, we, as a company, as I mentioned, we sort of dropped everything that was sort of brand focused. Um, we yeah. pulled our media out of market and it really became about how do we put Google Meet in the hands of as many people as possible so that they can actually mm -hmm. use it and not use it where, where we can make money. We actually just use right. it for free. And yeah. so that was, I think, a really exciting thing to be part of. And, and Google Meet is still a big focus for Google right now. It is, it is absolutely one of the core products that the company is, is developing. They hired um, a lot of great leaders on the product side and the marketing side that are really helping to, to take that to the next level. And then we've also started to focus on... Um, this bigger in it, uh, you know, effort around Google Workspace, which is now our new, it's what was formerly known as G Suite, but is really all the different collaboration tools together in one. You could think of you know, Google Meet, Gmail, Docs, right. Slides, Sheets, et cetera. All that together is part of Google Workspace. It almost sounds like Google Cloud was already preparing, not that it was foreseeing 2020, but it was almost right where it needed to be for that time. What's next in this evolution of, of Google Meet? How do you see it evolving as far as maybe accessibility, easiness, added tools? Or is it gonna remain free? I'm probably not the best person to answer a lot of those questions, um, but, but what I could say though is I, I, know, I know we are committed to making sure that it is accessible and available to everybody. And I know that there's a lot of work going into, you know, continuing to kind of bring the best technology right. features to the product right now that, that um, they're being added in every single day. And that Google Workspace really being the brand, the, the, the offering that brings the best solutions together to help people get things done is a big priority for Google moving forward. And, and, and the reality is that we see where the world is going. We see that the world is, you no longer have your work life and your personal life. It's all merging. Right? right, and you no longer have tools you use at home and tools you use at work. It's all the same, right? Yeah. And so I think that's a reality that I think we're seeing, and a lot of a lot of other companies are seeing as well, is that those distinctions are artificial, and the more you can actually just recognize that and bring the best tools together to help people get things done, whether they're at home or at work, 
uh-huh. is really the way forward. And there's a lot of work, exciting work that's happening at Google to help make that reality. Were there any pivot moments that you had in 2020 as far as maybe an audience change or uh, with the competitors, a differentiation between everything popping up from GoToMeeting to Zoom to you name it? You know, I don't necessarily think there's anything that happened in market, you know, with our competitors that kind of allowed us to pivot. I think we keep an eye out on obviously what they're doing and how they're positioning their products, what they're doing. I think there's been some really interesting collaborations and partnerships uh-huh. that have happened in, in the category that I think are really interesting. When I think about I think Slack had a really cool collaboration, interesting collaboration with Kohan. I was like, I, I didn't expect that. That was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, Microsoft, they obviously did some really, I think, really smart stuff with uh, the NBA and mm-hmm. um, kind of integrating teams into the the actual experience so um, I thought that was actually really interesting as well and so I think we keep an eye out on a lot of those things that are happening in the market because I think you know those are ways that I think you can you can connect with people on a more personal level in and, and make what is really a complicated topic I mean cloud technology is complex it is not easy to talk about it is not easy for the average person to relate to but when you can demystify it in a way where you make it accessible that's that's cool and and so i i really admire you know companies and brands that are able to do that whether they're people in google or even outside of google it's something that i just have a lot of respect for because i know how hard that is to do do you think that's something for brands moving forward do you do you find that there's maybe a a higher purpose that kind of came out of 2020 for brands I do. I do. Yeah. I think 2020 was a moment for brands to reevaluate themselves and their mm-hmm. commitments and to take a hard look at what they're doing, good or bad, you know, to take action in some way. And, and I feel like you saw a lot of brands step up in meaningful ways, um, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, developing products to help a specific situation or making things free or whatever it might be, um, make really bold statements to uh, which which were controversial, which I think are oftentimes the hardest ones to, to make. But you know, I think the, it, 2020 was definitely a moment where you saw you saw brands, some brands, take a stand, and and I thought that was that was really great. I hope that continues on as a ongoing commitment and not sort of a blip in in 2020. But um, but I think it was it was a moment of clarity. I think for for people especially in the wake of George Floyd, especially in the wake of what's happening around social injustice and, you know, where it became clear that it's not enough just to not be racist, but you need to be anti-racist. You need to proactively take steps. And I think people felt that on a personal level. And I think some brands felt it on a brand level. And I think that's where I think it was a, it was a real clear moment of clarity, I think, for a lot of companies. And people react to that as well. I, I see... Um the word leadership kind of attached to your name a lot. I mean, this is kind of a leadership discussion where you just talked about. What are some things that you see that um, define leadership for you? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I, I appreciate that. I uh, wasn't aware of that being attached to me, but I think uh, I appreciate that. I think, um, you know, for me, leadership is, is an ongoing learning process. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, I don't think you've ever just... 
don't think anybody can actually say like I've I've made it. I'm a leader. I like I'm I've, I'm the best leader I could ever be. You know, like I think it's a constant learning and that that growth mindset that having that growth mindset i think is one of the most foundational traits of being a strong leader and understanding what you know but also being really clear about what you don't know right and Uh bringing in the right people that can help you fill those gaps and to make those right decisions and to and to make smart informed decisions i think is really an important trait of leadership and so part of that means you need to be open to learning part of it means you need to be self-aware of your own limitations and then i think part of it also means you need to be transparent and authentic with yourself and that's a learning that i've actually had personally as well is is learning how to be more transparent with my own process with my own growth and the things that i am struggling to to learn the things that i'm not struggling to learn the things that i think i've yeah i probably can help other people with but but having a good clear understanding of that is is what i've become more clear on because i think oftentimes people think that if you're a leader you have to project this image of like you know everything and you've got all the answers but the reality is like the best leaders don't the best leaders actually Uh i think are clear about like what they don't know and they bring in people that are smarter than them to to fill in those gaps and i always admired the leaders that i've had the privilege of working with that that did that and i try to emulate that as much as i can you know so that i'm not projecting a false sense of of confidence, right? But just being real about like, hey, like I have no idea how to do this, but you're much better at this. You should lead it. And then let me know how I can help or tell me to get out of the way and I will happily just take a step aside. Yeah. <laughs> Charlene, do you have anything for Waleed before I ask him a couple more questions? Well, I'm gonna ask Waleed what he learned from his Adweek mentor or the mentee community. What's been your takeaway? I know I can write like a book on my experience. Yes. I, I like two notebooks full. Oh my God. Yeah, I am in the same boat. And I've been uh, really fortunate with the mentor program to go. You know, I went through it twice. So I have two mentors, right? So Linda Boff, the CMO GE, who's incredible. Uh, she's one. And then the other one was Lauren Gallo, who's senior director of brand at Nike. And both of them, I think, gave me really strong advice in, in, in different ways. So um, Linda, I think she is obviously had tremendous success and, 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 has rose to the ranks at GE and is just a, a force to be reckoned with there and in the marketing community. And what I really wanted to understand from her was like, how did she find her voice in GE? How did she actually kind of get her stride and like really get into that, that, that momentum that she's got right now? And, and what she really imparted on me was the best way to find your voice is just to go through the process, just to start, right. just to put yourself out there. And sure. to try and experiment different things. And it's not a, it's not this like aha moment, like, oh my God, I found my voice, right? Sure. It's, it's that you are, it's the journey. It's actually going through the motions of experimenting and trying. And, and so what that let, you know, put, you know, really imparted on me was like, just take more chances and put myself out there more and to be more vocal and sharing my point of view internally and externally. And, and so that's a big part of, uh, what, what I'm really you know, keeping in mind as I think about myself and my teams and my, my career moving forward. Lauren Gallo is incredible. Uh, she's just a gifted human, a gifted marketer. Um, and I've always admired her, her creative sensibilities. And that's an area that I recognize for myself as an area that I'm really interested in, in growing and developing on as well. And so I, I really wanted to understand from her, 
you know, what has been successful in helping her achieve her success at Apple, at Nike, at Snapchat. And like, and, and for her, you know, it was really about the mindset and she imparted on me on having this, you know, this, this really great, strong sort of, you know, mindset around what Simon Sinek calls sort of the infinite mindset. Right. And so she sent me that book, which is a great book. And, and I think it's just a, a really great way to think about how you can maintain positivity in everything that you do and how you can make sure that you are thinking bigger than everyone else, not in a condescending way, but in right. a way that just you're thinking about the bigger game that everyone's playing. Yeah. And, wow. and I, I really love that because it just made it possible to kind of break out of the everyday situations that we're mired in. And, uh -huh. um, and I, I just really appreciated that from her. When it's all said and done, and um, I guess this industry retires your jersey, what do you want to be remembered for? That's a good question. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think if I could just be remembered for, you know, helping, helping people do and realize their own personal ambitions and help them find yeah. more meaning in what they do. That to me is fulfilling. Like what I really enjoy most in, in the work that I, I do and in, in the people that I work with is like when, when I can help them just get more excited about something that they're working on. You know, like I love getting people excited about a project or getting people excited about something that we're about to do. And to make that connection between the work that they're doing and the reason why it's important and yeah. why it has purpose, why it has meaning, I think that to me is really exciting. And I think if I can continue to do that in ways, then, then I, I know I would be happier, but I hope that it actually has an impact. And so that's just one thing that I'm trying to do more of as well. That's fantastic. And my last question is, it's this time next year in 2021, what is the most popular search on Google? <laughs> oh, wow. That is a great question. I think the most popular search on Google is, you know, hopefully just people, you know, visiting. It's just travel. It's just people get out there and start awesome. traveling and visiting people, right?